Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnards on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey! That is him. In this episode, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. On this episode, we're going to be discussing Arkansas and DePaul. We're going to break this down position by position as we do, starting at center, then followed by power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. Without further ado, let's uh, jump right into it. Emilio, who do you have at Arkansas Center? Andrew Lang. What can you tell us about uh, Andrew Lang? Not Not an incredibly prominent player, but a guy who lasted in the NBA for quite some time. Yeah, um... He averaged like 12.9 points a game at his most. Um, he played 82 games two seasons in a row. I mean, this guy played. Yeah, 737 regular season games, 380 as a starter. Not a big scorer. Only six points per game for his career and certainly bounced around different spots during his career in uh, Phoenix and Philly and Atlanta, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, on the Knicks. So guy, uh, guy got around, but a contributor in the league for a long time. Yes, for sure. Uh, were there other guys who you uh, thought about here, or was this a clear-cut call? We can you know, get to those guys uh, t- at the end here, but uh, w- was he a, a clear-cut call at center for Arkansas? I thought of a Joe Klein. Joe Klein, yeah, yeah. We, we, can, we can get to him in, in just a little bit, but yeah, n- not an incredible uh, center crop. I feel like the – the uh, talent on Arkansas more focused towards the uh, the guards and, and wing players, as we'll get to. Yes, so, for sure. So I had I had Andrew Lang as well. Let's get to uh, power forward. Who'd you have there? I had Bobby Portis. All right, Bobby Portis, an active player, currently on the Knicks. What can you tell me about Bobby Portis? Yeah, um, this guy. I think he was good. I mean, he averaged almost fifteen points a game, fourteen points a game for like three years in a row before this last year. And, uh, well, not three years in a row, just one year. But he flipped, yeah. And, um, yeah, he averaged 10 points a game for his um, career so far. He's an active player, playing with Bulls, Wizards, and now he's on the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty good analysis. I mean, he's he's been kind of a part-time player to this point in his career for the most part. He's gotten some yeah. starts in. But uh, primarily a bench guy, bench scorer, and I think he's pretty effective at that. Yeah. Some other limitations to his game, his defense, not really uh, well-reviewed uh, as, as a big in the league. I think he has he leaves something to be desired there. But as a 24-year-old or a guy playing his age 24 season, still some upside to explore, perhaps. I mean, you can imagine him being placed in a larger role and, you know, putting up numbers that are more, you know, familiar for, uh, for an NBA big in terms of uh, rebounding and, and scoring. Yes. So that's an interesting call. I mean, I, I went a different direction at, uh, at Power Forward. I went with uh, Corliss Williamson. Now, I know you looked at him as well, well-known as, uh, as Big Nasty. Won a national title at Arkansas under uh, Coach Nolan Richardson and was a pretty valuable contributor on a couple of NBA franchises, notably the, uh, the Kings who drafted him in the 95 draft and the Pistons uh, was part of their uh, championship team in 2004, where he came off the bench in a high usage role, 
uh, scored a lot of points. I mean, we were watching some uh, video of him earlier. Really effective inside oh, yeah. scorer. He was sixth man one year, too. Sixth man of the year. Yeah, I mean, a guy who, you know, got some accolades uh, in his amateur career and, and as a collegian, I mean, as part of a really prominent college team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really uh, useful uh, useful player for, for, for quite some time in the league as, as an undersized power forward type, 6'7". But, uh, yeah, he, he's, he stands uh, stands pretty tall among uh, Arkansas big men. Let's move on to uh, small forward. Mills, which uh, which guy did you take there? I take uh, I took um, Joe Johnson. Yeah, uh, talking about uh, ISO Joe loves loves uh, to get in isolation and uh, just work uh, work on the guy who's defending him. Yeah, seven time All Star. Seven time All Star. I, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people would tell you that uh, that's partially a function, at least, of playing in a time where the Eastern Conference was pretty weak at his positions, but. Seven-time All-Star. I mean, seven times. That's that's a lot of times to be an All-Star. Uh, a lot of those years were in uh, in Atlanta, where he uh, was, you know, part of some high-quality teams, averaged, you know, upwards of uh, you know 20, 21 points per game during his time there. So, I mean, a really effective scorer. I mean, yeah. Um, also, like in his conference, I mean, they had LeBron playing like similar positions to him. So, like, it's true. I mean, he was. Yeah, I mean, he he was in a, in a position where he was going up against LeBron quite a bit. I mean, as a six seven two forty guy, he was in situations where he was defending LeBron or being defended by LeBron a fair amount. So, definitely, uh, you know, there were some challenges uh, as there as there are in any era. So that, that's a really good point about Joe Johnson. And you know, playing as long as he has, I mean, you know, uh, as long as he did, I guess his career uh, came to an end just a couple of years ago. Although. Even prior to this uh, this season, that's coming back from suspension, there was talk of him maybe hooking on with the Pistons before the season. So he was, you know, at least exploring being back in the game, uh, but played until age thirty six and got, uh, you know, almost thirteen hundred games in the regular season in in his career, in addition to a whole bunch of playoff games. So uh, one hundred and twenty playoff games. I mean, this guy really, uh, you know, a, a games uh, games champ for uh, in, in terms of an NBA career. I, I had him at, at small forward as well. How about, uh, how about a shooting guard? I had Sidney Moncrief. Yeah, tell me a little bit about Sidney Moncrief. He's, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's got to be the best Arkansas player ever. Don't you think? Uh, I do think so. I mean, I think, you know, as we're, I mean, we're, we'll get through uh, the, the remainder of our uh, starting five here in, in a moment. But, yeah, I think he, he does uh, stand uh, on top of the top of the heap. Yeah, he's um one – I think he's only – I think um he's – one of two players to um, win two defensive players of the years. Um, uh, that's not a center. Yeah, really impressive. 6'3", 180, and winning defensive player of the year twice. I mean, you got to be some kind of beast uh, on defense to make that kind of an impact from the guard spot. Yeah. That was based on 2018. I'm not sure if somebody went, got past that, but yeah, still. Yeah, it's pr- pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident that no one has. I mean, I know his uh, his career was largely uh, over by the time he was 31. Only played one more year uh, after that as as a bench player. But I mean, his time with the Bucks really impactful. I mean, I know we watched uh, some Sidney Moncrief highlights. I mean, anything jump out to you in those? Yeah, he is really good. Yeah, really really fast, really tenacious defender. Yes. Uh, and and you know you look at his uh, his his scoring production as well. I he mean, could score. Yeah, I mean really really high field goal percentages for for a guard in in his day, 
and I mean, averaged 20 points, over 20 points a game, uh, you know, four times, and it was almost there a fifth time. So really impactful, five-time All-Star, uh, I don't know if we mentioned, and uh, yeah, in the Hall of Fame as of uh, just last year. So a very recent entrant to the Hall of Fame, a guy we'd heard, I had certainly heard a lot about, and it was really interesting to uh, dig in a little bit and learn more about uh, his skills and what made him so special. Uh, that's uh, the squid that we're talking about there, Sidney Moncrief. I mean, you can imagine a squid, like, getting all over you. You can't do anything because the squid is, like, got suckers all, all in you. Uh, so that's, uh, that's Sidney Moncrief. <clears throat> I actually had him at, at point guard, but, I mean, I think, you know, he probably uh, could could have slotted in for me at uh, shooting guard as well. Yeah, who'd, you, who'd you have a point? Um, we're just going to ask me? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to ask you who you had to shoot, um, at the table about it, yeah. Um, I had Rod Strickland. No, you're, you're, you're talking about uh, that. That's a little little oh, preview for uh, the DePaul section. Uh, forget you heard that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I had Alvin Robertson. Alvin Robertson, yes. Uh, that, that, that's who I had at, at, the, at the two. Uh, so talk a little bit about uh, the man known as Dog. This guy, four-time All-Star, three-time steals champ, has the most steals. He has um, the um, most steals per game in NBA history, right? Yeah, most steals per game, highest steal percentage in NBA history, like bar none. Yeah, also um, most improved player, um, defensive player of the year, All-NBA, six-time defensive, all-defensive team. Yeah, uh, clearly a beast defensively. I mean, there's there's no question about it. Looking at his stats, that jumps off the page at you. Yeah, he's also really good offensively. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, could could certainly fill it up. I mean, had years where he was, you know, in the, in the high teens in, uh, in, in scoring on, on the Spurs early in his career, especially. But, I mean, look at some of those steal numbers. I mean, you know, talk about from age age 23 to age 28, his steal numbers, or even age 29, 3.7 per game, 3.2 per game, 3 per game, 3 per game, 2.6 per game, 3 per game, 2.6 per game. I mean, a, an absolute And hawk. then 2.2 per game, 2.3 per game, 2.2 per game, 2.2 per game. Yeah, just, I mean, so consistent at, uh, at accumulating steals. I mean, you can imagine what a pest this, this man must have been to play against. Yeah, I mean, in his worst year with steals, he still averaged 1.6 steals a game. Yeah, really remarkable defensive player. And as you mentioned, someone who had skills on the offensive end as well. I mean, uh, you know, a guy who you had to respect at least somewhat from uh, three-point range because he would pop out there periodically, shot you know a little under 30%. Not, uh, not acceptable these days, but decent, you know, back in, uh, back in his time. And uh, getting them off at that kind of volume would work. So clearly an impressive player. You think? Are you surprised at all that uh, Alvin Robertson's not in the Hall of Fame? I'm actually not. Yeah, I mean, what what makes you say that? I mean, the guy. I, I guess I ask because he he's got a lot of accolades and a lot of spots on, on leaderboards and stuff like that all, all time. I mean, for you know someone who uh, is not in that mix. Yeah, maybe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting call. I mean, I think you know maybe his if his career had gone on a little longer and he had more time to like rack up stats, that might have helped, but. Uh, you know, certainly a, a notable NBA career to be sure. So uh, let's uh, let, let's quickly run down our, uh, our our starting fives, and we can uh, then get to other players who are worthy of consideration here. Um, center Andrew Lang, power forward Bobby Portis, small forward Joe Johnson, shooting guard Sidney Moncrief, and point guard Alvin Robertson. Yeah, and I had uh, center Andrew Lang, uh, power forward Carlos Williamson, small forward Joe Johnson, uh, shooting guard Alvin Robertson, and point guard Sidney Moncrief. Now, were there other players uh, in particular who you wanted to get to uh, Arkansas attendees? Um, yeah, Joe Clean. 
Joe Klein. Yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, about Joe Klein, known well as uh, Smoking Joe from uh, Slater Mo because he's from Slater, Missouri. Number six overall pick in the 1985 NBA draft, one of the great drafts of all time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, um, he was okay. Yeah, he was okay. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, kind of like a pretty standard uh, variety kind of backup center type. Yeah, but, like, he was picked before, like, Terry Porter, Joe Dumars, Carl Malone, Charles Oakley, Tullif Trump, Chris Mullen. Yeah, so uh, the Kings might have been regretting that pick uh, just a little bit as, uh, you know, multiple, All of those guys. <laughs> multiple Hall of Famers come off the board uh, after him in, in the first round in the 1985 draft. But Joe Klein, uh, an adequate backup center, I would say. I mean, stuck around in the league for uh, for a while. Got a title with the Bulls in uh, in '98, in late in his career, but uh, not not a terribly notable player beyond uh, just having been around and been a part of uh, a whole bunch of different teams over the years. Yeah, and getting and being a huge bust <laughs> relative to his draft position. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Patrick Beverly, a guy who's active right now and who I know you have some uh, thoughts on. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he's Mister um, Ninety Four Feet. That's because he, he's going to work you up and down the entire court, right, on defense. I mean, he's all about that full-court pressure and about getting in your face and uh, and getting in, in your shorts and, and bothering you as you're uh, trying to uh, bring the yeah, ball up. Yeah, this guy's good defensively. Yeah, really, really tenacious defender. Has been able to, uh, you know, figure out the three-point shot as well, contributing their, uh, you know, 38% shooter for his career from three. And, uh, yeah, I mean, valuable part of, of some really good teams. I mean, even right now, I mean, the, the Clippers team that is uh, going for a title in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, on the Rockets a little bit before. Yeah, I mean, you know, useful player playing alongside James Harden. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been part of good teams. No reason to think he can't continue to do that for a little bit longer, even at age uh, 31 right now. Let's uh, let's wrap this segment up by uh, just getting to a couple more guys of note uh, from Arkansas. How about uh, Oliver Miller? You, you told me an interesting fact about him uh, before we started recording. Yeah, he weighs the most of anybody in NBA history. Yeah, really big man. I mean, I remember him bursting onto the scene with the uh, the Suns in his uh, in, in his rookie year, I believe, and getting to the uh, getting to the finals that year, playing a ton of games. Um, wasn't hadn't quite filled out to the the size that he got to later in his career, and was still pretty athletic, really light on his feet, and, and an important contributor at that time. But uh, I think his his weight got the better of him, and you know had a hard time uh, maintaining. Uh, any kind of athleticism as his career went on. Couldn't start games really uh, beyond age 27. Uh, didn't really have the stamina to do that. So, uh, you know, had, had some good moments in his career, to be sure. Uh, any thoughts on, um, like, Daryl Walker or uh, uh, Daniel Gafford? I mean, the guy who's who's currently still in the league as well. I mean, just getting yeah. his career started. Yeah, I thought about Daryl Walker. Yeah. What, what, did you, uh, what, what did you learn uh, in, in researching him? He was a good player. I mean, won a title with the Bulls in the last year of his career. Yeah, I mean, not not super notable uh, for the purposes of our conversation, but a solid NBA player for uh, for quite some time. Any thoughts on uh, on Daniel Gafford uh, before we move on here? I mean, he's he's just getting his career started, but uh, you know, some interesting things jump off the page uh, about his performance thus far, even in a pretty limited sample. I mean, seventy percent shooter from the floor in in uh, early returns. I mean, obviously knows how to get it get it in get to his spots and, uh, you know, yeah. score efficiently. Yeah. He might not have taken that many shots yet, but um, 
He has averaged five point one points a game. He's played forty three games. Yeah, so he's, he's he's just getting started. And before we wrap up, just wanted to uh, note um, Derek Hood, uh, yep. my, my, my kind of guy, uh, war number fifty five, and is in the one rebound club. Yeah, yeah, he got one rebound <laughs> in uh, in. 1999-2000 season for the Hornets. So uh, big ups to Derek Hood. I also want to point out a guy who might have slipped through the cracks. We noticed uh, Stephen Hill, still just 34 years old. And, I mean, this guy's stats, they really they really blow you away. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Has made every <laughs> attempt he's taken in the NBA. Played just two minutes, one field goal, you know. Three rebounds. I mean, this guy's really filled the uh, the stat sheet during his limited opportunities, and uh, might be worth a look from uh, some enterprising team trying to get an edge uh, as, as we head back into the restart. So we, we, let's uh, let's let's wrap up this segment uh, right there before it uh, runs too long, and we'll come back in a few moments with DePaul. Now we're back to uh, continue our discussion with uh, DePaul. We will uh, begin at center. Emilio, who do you have at DePaul center? George Mikan. Yeah, George Mikan. I mean, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about him. One of the uh, greats of the, in the early days of uh, professional basketball. Yeah, Hall of Famer, four-time All-Star, three-time scoring champ, rebounding champ, um, five-time BAA slash NBA champ, um, All-Star Game MVP, six-time All BAA slash NBA. Yeah, a, a legendary figure in NBA history. Uh, didn't play an incredibly long career because of, you know, he was 24 and his career was over by the time he was 31, but utterly dominant in the early days of the league. Led the league in scoring in three consecutive seasons, as you mentioned, uh, over, you know, 27 points per game during each of those three years. And, uh, you know, a guy whose reputation is that he was totally dominant for his day. I mean, and you, you know, the, the little bit of video that's out there of uh, George Mikan during his career, you can really see it. Yeah, I mean, this guy won five titles in seven years. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, there are obviously a lot of other examples during uh, NBA history of, like, one star player kind of driving team success like that and, and driving championships. And I think during his time with the Minneapolis Lakers, it's hard to argue that uh, George Mikan wasn't that guy who was uh, making it making it happen, making it possible for those teams to win. Uh, still stands as like 23rd all time in like points per game. I mean, so, you know, his numbers still hold up in some respects, you know, his rate stats anyway, even if, uh, you know, he didn't play as long as uh, some guys who have come after him. Now he wore uh, number 99. You think that uh, like inspired the likes of like, you know, Jay Crowder or Wayne Gretzky? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I honestly don't even know. I mean, he Mr. was. Mr. Basketball. Yeah, he was a really great player. I mean, Mr. Basketball, Mike and the Magnificent. One, one of the all-time greats, to be sure, and he was certainly my center as well from DePaul. How about at uh, Power Forward? I got about – no, not Power Forward. Terry Cummings. Yeah, TC. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Terry Cummings. He's an uh, interesting player. Two-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, two-time All-NBA, all-rookie team. This guy just had – like he was through his career. He's doing really well, averaging 20 points a game. And then there's just one year – doesn't play that much. He only plays eight games, and then he's just like really bad for the rest of his career. Well, not really bad, but like not as never as good as he was. Yeah, he transitioned to uh, to a bench role. He basically had ten years in the league <clears throat> where he was more or less a starter. I mean, started pretty much every game, 
that he played averaged up close near uh, up close to 20 points per game over that in many seasons. And then, uh, yeah, missed uh, most of the 92-93 season with the Spurs and came back as a much diminished player. And that's really the guy I remember watching because, I mean, I really wasn't following the NBA as an, you know as it played out, actively watching games, that kind of thing, uh, before Terry Cummings' career transitioned. But as you look back, you can really see where he was able to be a pretty major contributor during the earlier part of his career, especially a two-time All-Star, as you said. And, uh, I mean, do you get anything from watching, uh, watching a little video of uh, Terry Cummings? Yeah, fast, powerful. Yeah, really athletic, uh, uh, you know, power forward kind of, uh, you know, with a modern NBA kind of body, 6'9", 220. I mean, a, a, you know, guy who you could imagine uh, probably popping more threes if he was around uh, today as a, you know, kind of stretch four type of, uh, you know, body type. But a very effective player and, uh, you know, good fit on this team. Certainly my uh, power forward as well. Who'd you have at small forward? I had Mark Aguirre. Yeah. So uh, I remember, I mean, it's a little strange for me as a uh, someone who came to uh, to the Pistons uh, as, as a fan after the, the Bad Boys era and who knew about Mark McGuire uh, before I knew about Mark Aguire to find out that there was uh, there was this guy who was really important to uh, to Pistons history and, and to NBA history as well, who had such a similar name. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Mark Aguire. Um, yeah, this guy was part of the Bad Boys. I mean, two-time NBA champ. Um, three-time All-Star. That was good. Yeah, averaged 20 points per game for his career, 923 career NBA uh, regular season games. Really, really effective player. I mean, as you said, multiple-time All-Star, played with, uh, started out with the Mavericks and uh, made his way to the Pistons and uh, was part of, you know, I mean, two championship teams with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really, really impressive player. I mean, uh, high, high usage guy on uh, on a title team. Any comments about his about his game? Um, yeah, he liked taking mid range shots. Definitely a master of the mid range. I mean, you could see him uh, with a lot of creative uh, finishes from inside, but also, I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, was able to uh, to step out from beyond the three point line a little bit, at least enough to keep him credible from there too. Thirty one percent three point shooter during his career, which is you know. Good enough to make him think about it, at least. Yeah, small forward his whole career. Yeah, first uh, first overall pick in the uh, 1981 NBA draft. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a really, really impressive player. Two-time champ with those uh, those Pistons teams. I had him at small forward as well. How about at the two? Where'd you go? I went with Quentin Richardson. Yeah, Q Rich. Tell us a little bit about that guy. Yeah, this guy was a good player. He could pop. He could throw down. He could really throw it down. Yeah, a six foot six. I mean, you know, really athletic guy. I mean, could get up above the rim, and as you mentioned, uh, really strong three point shooter as well. Yeah, I mean, he thirty five percent three point shooter for his career, and he made the three point contest. Yeah, he sure did, and was you know uh, valuable asset as both a starter and a reserve during his career at different times. Played with the Lakers, Suns, Knicks, Heat. Uh, Magic, and then uh, finished his career back up with the with the Knicks again. Yeah, valuable NBA player. I mean, you know, might not be uh, the the shooting guard on uh, on every one of these college teams as we put them together, but uh, definitely a, a worthwhile contributor. Yeah, um, I don't think he actually put on the Lakers. I'm pretty sure you meant the Clippers. I did mean the Clippers. Thank you for uh, for correcting that. He was drafted by the by the Clippers and uh, famously teamed with uh, with Darius Miles uh, during those days. And now those two guys. Uh, Host their own podcast. So uh, what's up, guys? <laughs> um, 
Let's uh, let's move on to uh, to the point for DePaul. Who'd you have there? Um, I had Rod Strickland. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Rod Strickland. Assist champ, All Rookie Team, All NBA. This guy was a good player. He could really pass. Yeah, New York City baller had a long career in the league. Uh, you can long see- career. Yeah, I mean, came into the league at age 22, left in uh, left at age 38, so uh, played from 1988 to 2005. And you know, I mean, but you know, even across all that time, I mean, his his career averages still, you know, quite impressive. I mean, yes, 7.3 assists per game and 13.2 points per game. Yeah, I mean, he's 25th all time in assists per game and 12th all time in assists. I mean, which really speaks to the duration of his career. Uh, played an, an extremely long time, eighty second in games for his career. So I mean, you know, up up close to uh, eleven hundred games uh, in the regular season, and played on a lot of teams too. Oh yeah. I mean, you run run him down here. I mean, he's, he like played on. Started out with the Knicks, Spurs, you know, uh, Blazers, Bullets. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, you know, and finished out his career in a few different spots uh, towards the end. Yeah, like the Heat, the. Timberwolves, the Magic, the Rockets. Yeah, so really, Raptors. really got around and um, at the end. Yeah, at the end of his career, after having you know a, a more stable uh, earlier portion of his career, certainly one of the one of the better players from uh, DePaul, I would say. I mean, you know, maybe not at George Mikan's level, but certainly performed you know more in, in the NBA than uh, than maybe anyone else. Uh, so I, I had uh, to to be clear, I had uh, Quentin Richardson at the at the two and, and Rod Strickland at the one as well. Now, uh, so let, let's quickly run down our, uh, our our lineups again, and we can talk about anyone else who we want to discuss from DePaul. DePaul um, center George Mikan, DePaul power forward Terry Cummings, DePaul small forward Mark McGuire, and DePaul shooting guard Quentin Richardson, DePaul point guard Rod Strickland. And that's actually exactly what I had as well. So no need for me to uh, say those words again. Other players uh, you want to talk about who attended DePaul. Yeah, um, Tyron Corbin. Yeah, let's Wilson. talk about yeah. Let's talk about Ty Corbin quickly before we uh, move on. So, uh, I mean, a guy who played a long time, uh, over a thousand regular season games, who attended DePaul. Not too many guys fit that bill. Yeah. What else would you say about him? Yeah, um, he was a good player. I mean, nicknamed the Milkman, played mostly with the Hawks and the Jazz and the Timberwolves. Yeah, why do you think he was uh, called the Milkman? You said maybe because of Carl Malone. Because Carl Malone is the mailman, he would always bring the mail, and Tyrone Corbin would always bring the milk. Okay. He would come around with with milk and leave it. Mm-hmm. Could could be that. Uh, Ty Corbin later uh, went on to uh, become a coach after a long career in the league. Actually, was the guy who ended up taking over when uh, Jerry Sloan stepped down as the longtime jazz coach. I coached there for a little bit. I think he coached with uh, with the Kings as well. Yeah, I mean, fairly unremarkable career, aside from the fact that it went on for a really long time. So, I mean, you know, you add up the value across all those years, and you, re- you really have something. Started, you know, 450 games in the league, too. So, you know, uh, useful player. I mean, as a second-round pick in that uh, famed uh, 1985 draft, which we referenced a little while ago. Let's uh, talk about Wilson Chandler as well. I know you started to uh, started to say his name. Uh, yeah, wh- what would you say about Wilson Chandler? This guy's a really solid player. Yeah, still active. 
only 32 right now, so might have a little life left in him, although he's probably reaching somewhere near the end of his career. But started at age 20, so has, has been around for a while. Yeah, this guy's good. Yeah, I mean, probably not a, not a guy you'd ever have wanted as your uh, primary scorer or anything like that, but a guy who has a pretty decent positional versatility can, uh, you know, play anywhere from the two to the four, basically. Uh, different times in his career has that kind of size, six, eight, and, you know, kind of versatile defensively in that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, capable of putting up uh, 15 points a game or so at his, uh, at, at his peak. So definitely a, a worthwhile player and, and a good uh, draft pick at uh, number 23 overall in the uh, 2007 draft. And before we uh, wrap this up, uh, mentioned Bobby Simmons as well, another guy who uh, was notable player from DePaul in recent years. Most improved player, wasn't Yeah, one most improved player was a pretty good, uh, better than pretty good uh, three-point shooter. I mean, it would, would be interesting to see what his career would be like if that was emphasized more, if there was more volume in his game, but shot almost 40% from three, mostly as a reserve. Uh, as a six-seven guy, so you could definitely imagine him, you know, kind of fitting in now yeah. as a as a stretch, uh, you know, three and D type of guy. Yeah, nickname Chinese food. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, uh, ho- hopefully that's not uh, racist in any way, but uh, we we really have have no way of knowing uh, at this point. Uh, yeah. So, th- like, as we were, uh, as I was looking at the uh, the DePaul uh, players, players who attended DePaul, you really notice a strong. Um, uh, Strong sense that uh, that these these uh, it was producing more more players earlier on in, in NBA history than uh, than in more recent days. There were a, l- a lot of the players from who attended DePaul who went on to play in the NBA played in you know before 2000. I mean, a lot of them played even before 1960. So not not as much production in recent years. But uh, Wilson Chandler, as we mentioned, still active, and uh, you know guys like Billy Garrett and Max Struess also. Uh, maybe in the mix for future NBA minutes as well. Anybody else you wanted to discuss before we move on? Maybe uh, Stanley Brundy? Not really. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we can uh, we can move on. I thought maybe he was, like, related to, like, Solomon Grundy or, you know, maybe there was some sort of connection there. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we can move on. So uh, we'll, we'll be back in just a moment to uh, wrap, this, uh, wrap this episode up and compare these two teams. And we'll finish this episode up by uh, doing the position-by-position comparison of players from Arkansas and DePaul, as we do. Let's start at center, where we've got center um, Andrew Lang for Arkansas and George Mikan for DePaul. Amelia, George Mikan. Yeah, you didn't even have to wait for me to get through the end of that one. That's uh, George Mikan in a, in a in a route. So it's a one nothing DePaul. At power forward, you got Bobby Portis from Arkansas and Terry Cummings from DePaul. Terry yeah, that one's really not too complicated either. Terry Cummings, far more accomplished than Bobby Portis at this point and probably going forward as well. Uh, so that's a 2 nothing edge for DePaul. At the three, we've got Arkansas's Joe Johnson going up against DePaul's Mark Aguirre. This one may be a little more interesting. I still think it's Mark Aguirre. Yeah, I mean, would you have to think a little bit more about this one? I mean, I feel like there's at least a little more depth to this conversation. No, not really. Actually, <laughs> I just... I really do think that um, Mark Aguirre won two titles, and yeah, he did have less all-star appearances, but like, I don't know. I just feel like Mark Aguirre is a little better. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you on that. I mean, part of part of two title teams that really does go a long way in uh, in establishing Mark Aguirre's uh, value in the league. Uh, so that's that's three nothing so far for DePaul uh, as we get to the two, where we've got Arkansas's Sidney Moncrief 
and DePaul's Quentin Richardson. You got to go Sidney Moncrief. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Sidney Moncrief, Hall of Famer, really outstanding defensive credentials especially, but a guy who could score as well. A cut above uh, the likes of Quentin Richardson. And at the one, we've got Arkansas's Alvin Robertson and DePaul's Rod Strickland. I'm going to go with Alvin Robertson. That's an interesting one. So, so talk me through the logic there. I feel like he's, he has a lot more accomplishments. You mean in, in terms of like being a standout, like at, at particular things? Yeah. Yeah, as a uh, as a defensive player, as a uh, steals master, I could see that. I think I might take Rod Strickland overall, but that's definitely the most interesting of these matchups from my perspective. Rod Strickland, a very accomplished player who did it over a long, long period of time, as we mentioned. Okay, let's go with Rod Strickland. <laughs> Either way. Uh, I mean, I think one way or another, you're looking at a, a win for DePaul, right? In yes. terms of the number sure. of uh, matchups that they win, either it's 3-2 to two or 4-1. Or How do you think it would play out on the court? Do you think DePaul would get an edge there as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's a more balanced squad, and I mean, you got you know George Mikan in the middle. That's pretty helpful. Yeah. Were you say something else there? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's uh, that. That'll wrap up this episode uh, where we've been breaking down Arkansas and DePaul, these uh, NBA players. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you back here again in a couple of days. And if you're enjoying, please leave a rating review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that was uh, leave a rating and review or and subscribe wherever you get your uh, podcast. And we're now available all over the place. Uh, we're now on Apple Podcasts finally and uh, getting out to platforms all over the place. I noticed us on uh, on Listen Notes, on Overcast. We're, we're getting out to uh, – should be just about everywhere pretty soon. So thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, as I said, we'll see you next time. Bye.